0: Oh.
1: This is the St. Longinus' Baptism Podcast channel. This is episode number 47. Your soul is not yours to sell. But first a prayer. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation Of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. What brought this uh, episode up? I actually had the thought a couple days ago. Uh, for personal reasons, I didn't get around to it to today. Not that I have to talk about every topic that comes to mind on that um, whatever particular day it happens. But I remember when I started I, I'm, I'm sure that these videos were older than last summer. Matter of fact, if I were a betting man, I would say that they had been around longer than last summer. But I noticed that like on a lot of quote unquote traditional Catholic YouTube channels, they were putting out um they were they were putting out videos that oh John Lennon sold his soul. celebrities and movie stars are selling their soul. And if I'm not mistaken, Most Holy Family Monastery was doing it too. But I don't consider them set of a contest, so... (laughs) They're, they're, They're about as traditional as a cherry pie would be in America. And... The same thing goes with the neotrads that were on YouTube. They're, you know, they're, they're, the the only thing that is traditional about them is the errors and the lies and falsehoods that they spout. These have been around for years. So, in that regard, yes, they're very traditional. Now, when I saw those last summer. I was uh, very busy trying to get my own spiritual house in order. and Which, by the way, hasn't stopped. It never does stop. Um, you know, as a matter of fact, what little I've read of the saints, it seems like the more you grow in holiness, the more spiritually busy you become. Um, anyway... Um, at the time, I, I just dismissed it and thought, eh, you know, these guys are speaking out of ignorance. Now, I do want to give a clarification because even when I was in the Vatican II sect and a lot of American culture, they have stories where some guy sells his soul and at the last minute re- gets a reprieve from, you know, whatever. Um, but I remember, even when I was in the uh, Vatican II sect for 10 years, whenever I'd hear, you know, Protestants or, you know, uh Ignorant people say, Oh, that person sold their soul to the devil. I used to think to myself, well, that's ridiculous. Your soul's not yours. And there's there's a scriptural evidence all over Paul's epistles, if not the gospels themselves. One of the most famous quote from one of Paul's epistles that comes to mind was that don't you know that you were Bought at a great price. Now, if you were a spiritual free agent, if, if your soul um, actually belonged to you to do with as you pleased, this is just my um, hunch. Then Jesus wouldn't need to die on the cross because you would own your own soul and it's yours to do with as you wish. So, why would God need to die on a cross for you if your soul is what you, you know, is yours to do with as you want? That's just my hunch. Take that for what it's worth. But I suspect where this idea comes from is they're mixing up free will with God's sovereignty over His creation. Now, I know that that sounds kind of obtuse and, and heavy thinking. It's really a simple concept. God made the earth. God made the galaxies. God made us. And time and space. Everything. therefore, he owns us, lock, stock, and barrel. He owns us, locks, by being our creator itself. So even, even if it weren't necessary for him to die on a cross for our sins, our and if we're being honest, they're very uh, atrocious sins. We still wouldn't be able to sell our souls. You know, the laws against prostitution and drug use are actually a pale secular example of God's law. Because society, even though it wouldn't know God if he kicked them in the in the in the face, says, well, your body is yours until you do immoral things with it, and then we have to step in and do something about it. But like I said, since we have a secular government, and at any rate, uh, some governments are trying to, well, some countries in Europe have already legalized that kind of thing, but it's a pale imitation of a godly principle. And back when there was a Christendom, when the kings and princes were responsible to the bishops and the pope, um, not only did you face sanction from your local uh, secular rulers, for lack of a better term, um, but you also faced sanction from the, the local bishop or your local priest if you were a prostitute Got pregnant out of wedlock. Um, got into a drunken ball, brawl and hurt somebody. Uh, highway robbed, killed. You get the idea. So, if God sovereignly owns us, that's another famous quote from St. Paul's epistle. Is he tells his listeners? I think it was the Corinthians. He says, um, "You are not yours." You are not yours. You're God's. I wish I could remember the exact quote. I think the two kind of go hand in hand. But what he was trying to tell the Corinthians was this concept which I'm trying to explain to you. And for all you edgy boys and morons out there, no, I'm not equating myself with St. Paul in my own weak and pale way I'm trying to... Um pass that teaching down to those who are allergic to reading the Bible or have never heard that quote so if God is if we're God's property literally God's property which we are uh the best analogy I can think of is i live in an apartment and let's just say one day I get it into my head. I'm going to sell it to some rando I bump into on the street for $10,000. Now, I don't own the apartment. I'm paying rent to my landlord to stay in the apartment. It belongs to him. But let's just say I smoke a bunch of crack. And I, I get the, the Mensa member idea. Of, I'm going to sell my apartment so I can get more crack. And I go to some random, hey, I'll sell you my apartment for $10,000. It's not mine to sell, and it's not his to buy. It's the same thing with selling your soul to Satan. Not your soul to sell, not Satan's to buy. Now, Satan can tempt you into sin. And even for people that are trying to be devout, God sometimes, in the book of Job, is a perfect example of this. Sometimes God, within certain limitations, will allow Satan to uh, try to break us down so that whatever impurities we have in our soul get worked out if we're trying to be pious and devout. A lot of people get that twisted. They think if they go through trials and tribulations that somehow... God's mad at them. And I'm speaking from experience. I used to think that way. But if you understand, this is why the choice of your religion is so important. If you're not getting taught this, then you're not going to be stable in your belief. Because every time that you get, uh, you have a bad time, a wife dies, you blow a tire, whatever. I know... Those are two. uh, Well, one of them is an extreme example. I'm just saying that if you don't have grounding in the right truth, that when you know trials and tribulations come your way, you are not going to be stable in your belief system. And once again, I'm speaking from personal experience on this. So, Satan is allowed to toss trials and tribulations our way. But He's not allowed to get our soul. Now, this brings me to what I was working into. We are God's sovereignly because He is our Creator. However, we're given free will. So, we can't go to the devil and say, Hey, devil, I'll be yours. If you give me fame, riches and glory A lot of people get that twisted It's not his to give And even If he can in his own limited way Giving you Something to approximate it As they say in the storytelling Business this thing is at the end Of the tale In other words somehow it's going to come back And massively bite you in the butt Okay? And furthermore, when he tempts you, he's just tempting you because he is a pure spirit and he's had millennia's to watch human beings. He he knows what he can tempt you with. So I liken it I liken it to a used car salesman, and actually I hate to give these guys any props because they're Protestant. There was a Protestant group who did parody songs and they compared the devil to a used car salesman. It's a a perfect analogy because that's what he is. Because let's just say your particular hang-up is you have to have a beautiful woman and, you know, you like... You just have to have a beautiful woman. So... What Satan will do is, is he'll, he'll let you meet An absolutely gorgeous Knockout of a woman And You know Through circumstances It'll come to pass Where, where you're living with this woman And heaven forbid that this should happen Because it's happened to many a good man Let's just say you're foolish enough to marry this woman. Here's where this thing comes at the end of the tale. Maybe before you marry her, you notice quirks, personality traits, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know if I could stay."
0: she's hot,
1: she's hot, she's great in bed, but I don't know. But because we're human, we talk ourselves out of it. Oh, I'm going to marry her. So you marry her. And let's just say you have two or three kids by her. And then one day, she meets somebody more successful, better looking than you, more athletic, and more wealthy. And she starts banging this dude while she's married to you before she leaves you and files for divorce. And then... You end up, because society being what it is, you end up paying massive alimony. Even though the guy she married is more wealthy than you are, he can buy and sell people like you. You still have to pay her alimony. And quite frankly, if you have a kid with a woman, you should pay child support. Within means, of course. But that's not how the regular justice system... Well, they call it justice... They might as well call it the injustice system. But you get my drift. That is one of the ways. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a beautiful woman. It could be possessions. It could be vanity. You know, oh, I'm such a handsome dude. I'm a bodybuilder. and You get in an accident. Next thing you know, you're scarred and ugly. And then you don't know what to do. Because all this time you've been getting by on uh, your looks and your physique and, you know, your modicum of charm. Well, now that you're no longer a specimen, you know, people don't bow and scrape anymore. And that's a real kick in the nuts. Anywho. So... I've said this in previous episodes but it bears repeating Satan can't buy your soul but he can tempt you into things that whatever your spiritual weakness is he'll he'll tempt you in those areas and if you go along for the ride he will definitely make your life a living hell in one way or the other Um but Satan Satan in his entirety is a Satan. Oh I'm sorry, not Satan. Well, he is Satan. He's a, a sadist because he absolutely despises humans. And he absolutely despises God in his heavenly kingdom. Now, being that he is a pure spirit, and before he rebelled, he was the top angel in God's uh, kingdom. He obviously when he fell, when he rebelled, he lost some of his angelic powers. He didn't lose everything. This is just my my uh, once again, a hunch on my part, so don't don't try to claim I'm stating this infallibly I'm not I suspect that Satan knows that in the end he's going to lose and that's why he's never mind the hatred for mankind and against God well that, that's I misspoke that's actually the point he hates human beings so much that he wants to drag as many souls as he can with him so that him and his demons can torment them in hell. And I'm, I'm sure by this point some of you are going to be like, well, what about guys like Klaus Schwab and um, George Soros? They don't seem to... Well, for one thing, these guys are shadowy individuals to begin with. So, I mean, on the surface, because we don't really know them, and probably won't. Yeah, they, they, they're they successful, they're rich, blah, blah, blah. But we don't know what's going on in the inside. Now... I, this is another theory, it's not infallible. I suspect at least in the, well, yeah, Soros too. I, I suspect that they're probably in, um, involved in one form of Satanism or another. Here's the thing, though. Um, I don't think that they truly understand the stakes at the game that they are playing currently. Because if they did, they wouldn't do it. Now, the rationale why they do this doesn't matter. But I will say this. If they think that Satan is going to give them everything that they want and that they're going to get off scot-free... They're laboring under the most massive delusion that a human being can suffer from. And heaven forbid they should die in this delusion. And I do mean this, because they are human beings at the end of the day. They may be evil, vile human beings, but they're human beings nonetheless. And everybody deserves a shot at redemption. Um Because if they die in their sins and they end up in hell with Satan and his demons, oh, you, can, you can bet your bottom dollar that Satan is going to make their eternal afterlife very, very unimaginatively, unimaginatively um, miserable. Because I, I liken it to this and this is just my idea. God is the ulti- not only the ultimate truth but He's the ultimate love. In other words, He's the ultimate definition of truth and love. The ultimate expression. Whereas Satan is the absolute expression of evil and hatred. And these guys don't even they to them it's an abstraction. It's an abstraction. They're just they're worried about their time on earth. They're not even thinking about the price that may they may have to pay. Cuz they think that, you know, they're stringing Satan along. No, he's stringing them along they're actually puppets of Satan. These rock stars and movie stars that lead disallowed lives, even if, you know, I don't care if John Lennon had a pentagram in his apartment and lit candles and tried to summon demons. I don't care. I don't think that John Lennon was was serious because we moderns are not serious. He did not know the full impression of what he was doing because if he did, he would you know he wouldn't have done it. But he, let's just say for the sake of argument, he did. Um, you know, it, it, fame and fortune is not Satan's to give. It isn't. Now, he can help you along in your route of sin, but, you know, um, he can't give you everything you want. Because if that were the case, about 95% of humanity would all be married to the hottest looking human being possible, they would live, all live in mansions and their bank accounts would be in the billions. So, no. Just, just on a commonsensical level, you know, that doesn't make sense. Now, I think what is more the case in the fa- case of famous movie stars and, and rock stars and celebrities is is... They become famous, and because society itself is dissolute and scandalous, these flawed human beings have access to the money that... uh, Not that I keep track of this sort of thing, but guys like John, John Lennon was poor. Poor is dirt. Marilyn Monroe, when she was discovered, was a swimsuit model out in the middle of nowhere in America. Okay? So, imagine, uh, I'm going to put it to you in this, imagine you grow up in, oh, I don't know, and it could be urban or rural, but you grow up and you're dirt poor. If, if you're not living on food stamps, your you know your mom can only afford to give you one meal a day, and that meal is very very small. You're wearing hand-me-downs of hand-me-downs, and you've encountered every kind of hardship imaginable. And when you're early adolescence, a teenager, you discovered you really have a talent for something. And because, you know, your your life experience has been so miserable, your, your main focus, instead of God, is to develop this talent so that you don't have to go back to the way you were. Oh, and along with being poor and dirt broke, um... You know At least from the American perspective You're not going to get a beautiful woman or man If you're dirt poor and broke Unless you're just absolutely stunning So and Let's just take John Lennon's case So John Lennon Practices his guitar And writes a bunch of songs And Through His practicing of the guitar his, his songwritings get better. And then he finds three like-minded individuals who are equally talented and they form a rock band. Now, you go from playing underground clubs in Germany making, I, I'll let you say, a hundred bucks a night. Probably less than that. And then all of a sudden, your worldwide sensations... And you have more money than you've ever seen in your entire life and have more money than you would know what to do with in 10 lifetimes. And all of a sudden, these beautiful, I mean, drop-dead gorgeous women are just lining up for a shot to sleep with you. You can buy whatever you want to buy. And you pretty much can do, you know, Barring what they'll allow you to do, pretty much anything you want to. Ninety-five percent of humanity are are going to turn into complete degenerates because they don't have a spiritual life, and they don't understand that the reason you want a spiritual life is so that you do not be that you do not become corrupted. By the society and the culture around you. And that's another thing I've noticed too in these videos is people get incredibly self-righteous. Oh, these guys are they're they're reprobate. Ah! And this is just once again, my opinion. I think a lot of that is envy. Because the people making these videos, they're probably busting their hump. At a job that they hate 60 hours a week The woman that they married Um Even if they get along You know She's not a hot chick She's not Mila Kunis You know She's not Um Jennifer Aniston You know She's She's She may be slightly attractive But you know So Um I think where the self-righteousness part comes in is they're watching these guys and for the sake of charity, I'm going to say that they are sincere about being holy and pious. But envy is a horrible thing. I would say the worst thing that can happen to you is the loss of your innocence. But the second thing is, is when you're trying to be pious and devout, envy 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 is the root cause envy is what caused judas to betray jesus envy and greed but they're they think however mistaken they are they are that you know they're pointing out all oh, that he had to sold his soul. Look at this, you know, rags to riches story. When in actuality, it's pretty mundane. And that brings me to the last point before I wrap up. Oh, but I want to finish my point on envy. So, a lot of our, a lot of our mortal sins, and I mean a lot, are deep down Sins that we're not even conscious of now, depending on the individual the your your reasons may vary, but at the root of it, a lot of people have a lot of unconscious sins that they're not even aware of, and so while these guys think they're denouncing the deju Ah The degeneracy of the culture at large They might not even be aware That it's envy That it's envy Because at the root of it And I mean at the absolute root of it It's also uh, rash judgment Because unless you've been a favorite A famous celebrity and experience what comes with being a literal multi-millionaire overnight, you don't know how you would react. And if you lacked the charity, and quite frankly, the self-knowledge that you can't even admit to yourself, well, what would happen if I would... Let's take something Monday. If I won the lotto and I I won 50, 000, uh, $50 million, you know, if you don't even have the self-awareness to understand that having access to things that you're not dead to will turn you into a hedonistic, pardon me, Lord, jackass, then... You know I don't know what else to say Except perhaps you should do Self-examination Of your temperaments Because anybody And I mean anyone with self-awareness Should understand You know we, we had a saying When I was coming up in America Money changes people And it does there was always stories about some football athlete or some movie star or some rock star who he was the local neighborhood kid and he was approachable, friendly, and helpful. And then he got rich and he moved to Hollywood or L.A. or New York and he never came back to the old neighborhood. And when he did, he, he was a totally changed man. That is why in the traditional Catholic Church they teach you to separate yourself not just from the society and culture at large, but to separate you from the things that the lust, they call it the lust of the flesh, the love of beautiful women, the love of fancy food, the love of expensive liquors, riches. I mean, King Solomon in the Old Testament, uh, I, I think it was Ecclesiastes, where he, he lists, and by the way, King Solomon was an actual king prior to Christ. And those guys nothing was denied to them because they were an actual king. Okay? And he had, I'm talking about King Solomon now, he had, like, I think it's 300 wives. He had more money. I mean, he he was the Bill Gates of his era. He had more money than he could spend in a hundred lifetimes and everything that he said was law and in the book of ecclesiastes he calls it all vanity he says vanity vanity all is vanity meaning that serving and loving god to the to the capability that you're able is the only thing that gives you true happiness. And I, I, I'm disappointed that I even have to point this out. How many celebrities, athletes, football, uh, movie stars, end up, I mean, if they do last, they're jaded. They're jaded and immoral. And... If they don't last, they either kill themselves, die of a drug overdose, or they become so desperate that they end up committing crimes. Hello, OJ. So, I've said about that all else I can say. The, the, the part I wanted to get to, though, was that there's a line... Well, in one of St. John's uh, epistles, because he wrote three of them, and because I don't have an identical memory, I can't remember which of the three epistles it was in, he basically was talking about little Antichrist. Now, a lot of people get it twisted because St. John also wrote to Catholics, the book of Apocrypha, to you Protestants, you will know it is the book of Revelations where he talks about the Antichrist. And some people, out of ignorance, get it twisted and think that he's talking about literal Antichrist. He's not. The way that um, some of the early saints and church fathers explained it was, if you are not doing God's will obediently and with the utmost love for him, you know, this is going to sound harsh, but it's the truth. Um, they called that being an antichrist because if you're not serving God to the utmost of your obedience and with the utmost of your love, now, a lot of people may say, whoa, I do the best I can, and we do. I guess, I guess what I should add is the, the caveat that if you lack sincerity in what you're doing, if you lack true sincerity in what you're doing, you're literally a tool of Satan. That's all the Antichrist is. If you read the book of Revelations, you Protestants, or the book of Apocalypse, you Neo-Catholics, you will understand that all the Antichrist is is a puppet of Satan. He's basically Satan's hand puppet. You know, he basically uses his hand puppet to get the, 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 the ignorant and the unaffiliated into his program and then he's got them where he wants them. Unless God grants them the grace to get out of it. so uh, being an antichrist is with uh basically it's lacking the sincerity of love and um, obedience to God. I realized I explained it wrong earlier. I apologize for that because. Honestly, when I said that, I I, got—I thought to myself—and it's like, well, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, um, as far as I know, I'm sincere, and uh, you know, I mean what I'm doing. So, um, I I was gonna say that you have to do his, be obedient, and love him perfectly. But you know, as I said on the episode on the saints, that's what makes saints saints is they are perfectly obedient and perfectly loving toward God. That's why they're called friends of God. And by no stretch of the imagination, none, I don't care how much crack or meth I smoke, I could never say, oh yeah, I'm a saint, I'm a saint. Now, anyhow, so, there are, just to close this out, self-righteousness is one of the biggest, biggest mortal sins you can commit. Because if, you know, that's, why do you think that Jesus was dogging out the Pharisees? It wasn't because, you know, they were denying his divinity. It, wasn't beca- it was because they were self-righteous. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. He didn't like the fact that they were willfully obstinate in refusing to recognize that he was God. But I don't think that's what made him really mad. I think what really made them mad was self-righteousness. And the best way I can put self-righteousness is it's a complete and utter lack of empathy and compassion toward your fellow human beings. And it's all full willful self-ignorance. I don't care. You know, 99% of the population on earth has nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, to be self-righteous about. That includes me. Um, and it, it talks about in the New Testament that even if you're, if you're some dirt farmer in the middle of Africa or Asia who has just a cooking pot and a little hut and a mattress of straw to sleep on, They're every bit as capable of self-righteousness as George Soros, Bill Gates or um, Klaus Schwab. And for you especially you sanctimonious American middle class types that includes you too. Because I will say unequivocally that a lot a lot of middle-class people in America are self-entitled and very, very self-righteous. And they also lack empathy and charity toward their neighbors. Okay, guys, that is it. I've covered why you cannot sell something that is not yours. I pray I, I really do I pray and hope That somebody who comes across this Will get something out of it Because I don't view this podcast Is any way affiliated with me it's, I'm doing this for God And I'm trying to be obedient to God And let him, let him use me to do his will You take that for what it's worth Um And I pray for everyone Everyone But especially for those who are Directly and indirectly in my life That they That you will come to the truth You take that for what it's worth And I also pray And hope that more people get to heaven and by the way it just occurred to me when I said this this is usually my closing line I realized how some people could hear this and think somehow that I think that I'm going to heaven and nobody else is I could understand given the way social media works where some people might think that um I can can tell you that I'm well aware that I'm the last candidate to get into heaven. And even if I have to spend a million years in purgatory, that is too much of God's grace and love that I should even merit more or less getting into heaven. You take that for what it's worth. If you've listened to the whole thing, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Even if you think I'm a raving crackpot, thank you for listening. At least you gave me your time. I want to say, God bless you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Ben!